Welcome back to the Poets Return podcast. I am your host, Melissa Bowie, and we really appreciate you being here with us. I hope you're staying safe and healthy and that you are also staying sane, which brings me to my next important point to open this week's episode. Um, Society has historically had a widespread stigma when it comes to mental health. Because of this, many people are afraid or even ashamed to reach out and ask for help or even admit that they're struggling. During these trying times, isolation makes it harder than ever to stay connected and find support to know that we are not alone. Mrs. Megan Trosi is this week's poetry guest, and her message is deeply influenced by her advocation for those in need of help with their mental health issues. Her own personal journey is one of hardship and perseverance, and she shares how writing has consistently helped her face her demons, accept them, and learn to love herself. We're All a Little Mad is Megan's online platform for the mental health community, as well as a place for her to share her poetry, her stories, connect with people, and sell encouraging merchandise with words of positivity for others fighting to be warriors instead of victims. So I'm very excited to share this with you as we are bringing season one to a close. Here is Megan Trosi from the Central Coast on the phone with Taking Your Power Back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it all goes back to the first thing that I ever wrote um, in terms of like a poetry piece. And it's all kind of centered around my life, my life experiences um, in terms of dealing with mental health, mental illness, being sexually abused at a young age, and all of the kind of downfalls that my life has kind of encountered and like rising above it all. And in terms of our mental health system in this country, it is very shitty. And through that, unfortunately, a lot of people have lost their lives um, because they don't have access to um, mental health facilities, therapists, psychiatric help, um, because most of the time they can't afford it or there's long um, wait list times. So in terms of starting Well, a Little Mad, it's basically kind of a, it's an online community of like-minded people to share their experiences, to share their stories, to know that you're never alone and that we need to talk about mental health more, um, that this is a serious issue, and we need to stop the stigma behind it and to talk about it. So I have, you know, a clothing line, a jewelry line um, that kind of just expresses. It has some of my poetry on it. Um, it has, obviously, if we're all a little mad, different styles, different brands, and then I want to actually venture out into the box subscription business um, with we're all little mad boxes, which is essentially kind of like a therapy box to hold you over while you're waiting on us to get help. So yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, but that's amazing. And it's, you know, yeah. obviously a place having the experiences that you've had and being able to turn around and kind of forge on and persevere and turn it into something positive where you can help other people and yes. obviously let people know they're not alone and just that there's hope and that there's to go back to that weird principle, but like safety in numbers, when you know that you're, you're not by yourself, you know, like, okay. Exactly. And that's, yeah. exa- that's exactly it. So a lot of people don't want to talk about it because they weren't educated on it when they were younger or, you know, they've been told that 
you know, if you're like this, that means you're crazy and you're going to end up on the streets or, you know, like all of these things that are just not true, you know, and it's like you look around you every day, we pass by strangers in the street and most of the time, every single person that you've passed has gone through something similar um, that you have or know someone that has, but we are all afraid. It's like we have to, it's like we're so shameful to talk about it. And we need to, we need to end that, you know, we need to, like, that's what writing has been my therapy. And like going back to that, um, like what, how I started with poetry, like that's been the, the, my saving grace is I write about it. And the more that I write about it, the more that it doesn't become like, it's, it's like I, it's another person. So it's, it's my strength. So it's like all the things that like I've, you know, overcome in my life, you know, playing that victim role for so long. And then finally writing about it and being like, no, I'm not a victim anymore. Like, I'm a survivor. And these are stories to help other people get through the same similar situation. Right. Well, that's amazing, Megan. And it's, I know it's, it's also one of those things that can be very liberating, I'm sure, in a way when you can get, put it out there and have it yeah. get a response where people are like, oh, my gosh, you know, okay, I'm so glad to know that somebody else has gone through this and that there is hope and that there, I, you know, there's strength in expressing your truth and telling your story. There really is. Yeah. I mean, and it's taken me a long time to get there, but, and, but I've gotten there and Absolutely. now it's just, you know, trying to use my experiences and my stories to help, even if it's just one person, like that's, that it's one person that I've saved or that I've helped. That's huge. That's huge. Well, and I know your book of poetry, Lotus Rising, um, deals yes. with these topics. And so uh, if you would be willing, I would love to hear, you know, a few of your, whichever selection of pieces you want, but I do, I would love to hear something from Lotus just because I think it's such a powerful message. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have three that I picked out. One is the, um, it's a little bit longer, um, but it's the very first like poetry piece that I ever wrote. Um, it's kind of like what kicked off my whole story and it's like the the basis of my baby and just expanding from, from this poem that just turned into something that I have dreamed about. <laughs> so I could start with, with that piece. Yes, please. What's the, what is it titled? It is called, What is Love? I was five. He told me, this is what love is. He made me believe this is what love is. He told me these things will make me a woman. I was five, barely a child. I mustered a smile. That night as I laid with the devil, he whispered empty promises in my ear, which made all my fears disappear. Sexual monsters haunted me growing up. I craved love. Yet my love was tainted. Men painted, had their way with me. No was not in my vocabulary. My sexual freedom flew like Icarus. My idea of a lover was society's idea of a whore. I ripped open my skin and created pain. I wasn't interested in fame. I just wanted love. He told me, this is what love is. He whispered empty promises in my ear, which made all my fears disappear. I fell in love with a girl. I knew I had to have her. We played truth or dare. I kissed her with flames of passion against the wall. It was an instant attraction, not an experimentation. For the first time, I felt safe, comfortable, 
My soul was bountiful. I craved her, wanted to marry her. My first love, my first relationship, I didn't care that she was a woman. She was a beautiful human. But she was afraid and kept me in a cave behind closed doors like a whore. I became abusive, fighting, cheating, screaming, hitting, and crying. I was once soaring high in the sky. Now I was a ship with holes sinking fast at sea. She was my heartbeat. Without her, I wasn't alive. I had no identity. She shattered my world. My first relationship was with a girl. It happened so naturally and ended so passionately. He told me this is what love is. He whispered the empty promises in my ear, which made all my fears disappear. My sexual monsters haunted me, empowered me, engulfed my body. They came out at night, feasting upon the full moon, thriving on the scum and dark alleys, becoming bolder and more seductive. My body became sedated and blacked out. Men wanted me sexually. I created infidelity. I'm reckless, an open vessel. I allowed them to use and abuse me. I just wanted love. He told me this is what love is. I fell in love with a boy. I knew I had to have him. I approached him at a party, wrapped my arms around him, our mouths intertwined. He was mine. It began like all the others. I had to show him my love. Naked bodies, dirty sheets, him unwilling to commit. I went back to her. The passion was still there, but she moved far away. I need someone tangibly, knowingly in my life. I stabbed her back with a knife, broke her heart this time. The boy came back. He became my first boyfriend. He wanted a housewife, but that just wasn't me. Things got tough. I got rough. He ran free. But he treated me with respect. My sexual monsters did not like that. I self-sabotaged. She cracked. He told me this is what love is. He whispered empty promises in my ear, which made all my fears disappear. The devil came back to me one night, older and familiar. He knew I was trying to suppress my dark-seated desires. He called my sexual monsters out to play. I had no interest. But the devil doesn't play fair. I could smell it in his hair. I was drugged. Crashed out on the table, face in my food. I didn't want this. I didn't need this. But he made his way into my face. This time he was dirtier, telling me to call him daddy. This time he was rougher, forced his way inside me. I was blacked out like a rag doll, like a child. He told me, this is what love is. Don't you forget. He whispered empty promises in my ear, which made all my fears disappear. My heart's been tied to a girl and a boy. I feel like a lost toy. As a doctor of the night, my sexual monsters have put up a fight. Nothing is right. Nothing works out. I'm drawn to toxic people. I attract the dangerous, the taken, the emotionally empty, those I have to chase, the ones only interested in my face, my ass, the sociopaths, the abusers. I like chasing, going after what I want, getting what I want, never keeping them. If they get too close, I'll sabotage or force them away. I want them just for a night, the week, and passing. He told me this is what love is. He whispered empty promises in my ear, which made all my fears disappear. Falling in love is effortless. I fall in love while falling in love. I loved you and you and you, and I'll love you tonight. I've had many lovers, lovers in the sunrise, lovers in the moonlight. I laid with the devil that night. Sex equals love. 
this is what love is. What if sex is out of the equation? What if sex doesn't equal love? I've been in bone-chilling, appetite-filling, thirst-quenching, highly infatuating, smoldering, passionate lust. That fiery willingness in my gut, those empty promises, numbed my fears of reality. I take the love I feel I deserve. I spread my legs. The beginning always sex. The answer always sex. The resolution sex. My escape has been sex. This is not what love is. What is love? That's the end. <laughs> Damn, girl. Yeah. That was I love. I, I love that that you know. I mean, it tells such a story. Obviously, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was just like a a way of finally sitting down and and writing like all of this pain kind of like going through my life and being like what am I doing like I can't keep living like as this victim I can't keep walking around and you know being this person and I need to take responsibility for myself and you know I need to take the power back into my own hands and this was the beginning of it well and that's huge to be when you can actually write down sometimes it's so it's so I don't know, you learn so much even in just being able to put it in a concrete place because these thoughts obviously Absolutely. swim around in our heads, but, but when you can put it down like that, it, it becomes something more tangible and something that, yeah, you know, could for, force people in further into being victims. But, this, you know, for you to be able to, to look at it Absolutely. and say, you know, I, I need to, like you said, I need to overcome this. I need to take the power back. I need to have control yeah. of my life. And that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't able to do that. So that's that's very, even though it's very yeah, it's, painful, it's inspiring. It, yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, it, that goes into, you know, another reason why I created Girl a Little Mad is, you know, I finally found my voice. And a lot of people out there, you know, haven't yet, don't know how, you know, think that they never, you know, will be able to. So being that voice for the voiceless, you know, is another really, really strong, you know, like another reason why I do write, you know, poetry that, you know, is essentially, it's a part of me and my experiences, but it's also for those who can't speak about the same experiences. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, I love, I love that. And what is love? I love how it keeps coming back to that saying, you know, he told me this is what love is. And then being able to end in the question of like, you know, what is love? Yeah, it's like finally figuring out, like, I still don't know what love is, but I know what it's not. And, totally. you know, and like, that's like the whole, you know, Lotus Rising is about, you know, falling into this, you know, this place where I was forced, you know, as a child to learn at five, you know, that this is what I'm supposed to do. And taking that in with me through all of the trials and tribulations in my life and having this idea about love. And then finally being like, wait, this is not it. Like, this is this can't be it. Right. And so it's like my journey of figuring out love and discovering love. And I ended up figuring that out through um, a medicine called ayahuasca. Have you heard of that? I have. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it's a hallucinogenic um, tea that you drink. And I actually flew to Peru when I was 20, before my 26th birthday. 
Um, I took a 10-day ayahuasca retreat. I didn't take my phone with me. I had like an iPod touch and I just was off the grid for two weeks. And I went and did ayahuasca in the rainforest. And it was the first time um, at the age of 26 that I learned to love myself. And that was the most eye-opening experience where it wasn't, it was like chasing love this whole time and wanting, thinking of this idea, but then realizing, no, it's with myself. So it's like, it was facing all my demons. It was facing, you know, all of my traumas. And it was like being like, that's not, that's a part of me, but that doesn't define me. And like having this understanding of like, I, it's about me. It comes within you first. So that was just kind of like, skyrocketed where the rest of my life took me up until now. So I'm definitely a huge advocate for that. I've heard a lot of powerful stories about it. Um, Yeah. And I mean, it's just very much a coming of age moment, you know, where we have to realize if we don't love ourselves, you know, we don't realize that basically like love that God is within us, that no matter what we do, there's always this, this unconditional love within us. I think when we realize that, it makes a lot of other things like hopelessness and despair almost there's like a, a moment of, of where it's like, Oh, well that's just silly because yeah. I, why would I waste my time or anyone else's time when I have all of this, these gifts inside of me, I'm just like not exactly. going for it because I'm afraid and I'm damaged and I feel like there's no way to get out of that, which is really hard. It's yep. so daunting. I mean, like yeah. you said, people lose their lives every day because mm-hmm. they feel completely overwhelmed by that hopelessness so yep getting off the grid also and being able to have an experience like that and an adventure oh my with, God. with yourself and and you're with yeah. nature and you're not having to be overwhelmed and bombarded by the constant influx of social media and email and just constant scheduling responsibilities it, it, it's yeah ridiculous. and growing exactly and it's like I love putting myself in uncomfortable situations because that's how you overcome all of your fears and or at least face them and learn to deal with them and you know like that I've never been outside of the country before um and like going into like this country without a without a phone like just like being like peace out guys I just heard about this thing and I know I have to go and do it and I'm doing it alone and I'm just I'm going in (laughs) yeah it's so crazy and then like afterwards I hiked Machu Picchu and it was like less than a year after my ruptured Achilles tendon and I'm terrified of heights. I'm like deathly afraid. And I was just like crawling up this mountain, like sledding and trembling and I made it up there. And it was just like, I, I can't even put into words like this, the feeling that, that that experience gave me was just so empowering. I was going to say, that's like, that's just, I want, like, it's a poster that is in classrooms of empowerment, I feel like, is that moment. (laughs) Seriously, though, because homegirl is afraid of heights, too, and I'm that person that when I, like, went up into the sequoias and all that and hiked up to 100,000 feet, I had to be holding on to my friend in front of me looking over his shoulder, but not near the edge solo. So I super admire you for freaking climbing that beast and getting up, up there. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny that I was just like, I'm still so, I'm still fucking terrified of heights. But like, I I look back on those moments and I'm like, Megan, like, you fucking climb Machu Picchu, you skydive twice, like, 
you you've done some pretty crazy things like and yet I'm still just like on my like balcony like sweating and trembling it's, it's hard when you've got those inherent fears even when you conquer them time and time again you know it's like no matter how many times you have it's some some scary thing happened to you, it's always going to be scary, which in a way is kind of totally. that we don't get super desensitized and lose that yeah. lovely vulnerability. But Absolutely. I mean, that would be going back to childhood. That'd be like, that's why children are so amazing because they're so fearless because they don't know what the world is like. Right. You know, like, they'll just, like, go run around and, like, they have no care in the world until, you know, all of a sudden they something bad happens to them and it's like oh that's the first adult you know and by the time we get older we've had a million different types of adults we can't we'll never be able to erase them and that's a beautiful thing well and it's it's crazy too when you you know like having your childhood when your childhood ends at a very early age it's just how do you it's hard to maintain yeah yeah yep and that was kind of like a really uh just a, a very constant struggle and like my and carried into like all of my you know sexual relationships and relationships just platonic relationships and not understanding anything you know um right. and just trying to find you know that love for myself which I got you know and I like yeah I mean it was just like being it's now it's now it's like it's never too late you know it's it's finding it's finally like realizing that like Cool. Yeah, I was stripped of my womanhood for you know five years old, but I'm still creating myself. Like I, I got it back, and right. it felt so good. Um, and so it's not you know you can get it back, you know. And I know hundreds of other women, you know, and men, and you know anyone out there that have gone through the same, if not worse, you know, situations, and you know just coming through it it's just like going through it and coming out at the other end like it's possible it's absolutely possible well and it's like um, you said you know you you didn't want to be a victim you wanted to be you're a, you know what you are you're a survivor yeah mm-hmm. yeah but, oh but it's you know it's a struggle every day though it's like you know that's like the constant thing like at the end of Lotus Rising, like, yeah, I go through this whole transformation but that's but it ends with like it's you know struggling to survive like, it's right. still an everyday struggle to survive. It's not like, cool, you know, I went and did this awesome thing, and I go to therapy, and I, you know, I do all these things. But that doesn't mean that it goes away. It still will always be a part of me. Um, but it's just working on it every single day and wanting to better myself every day. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Well, on that note, do you have, what is another piece that you would like to share with us today? Yeah. So I have, in, in terms of, you know, the whole love experience and um, finally learning to love myself and going through that whole healing process and the light, um, my next piece is um, called The Precipice of Love. I was on the precipice of love. I knew with each step it would take me further falling into in love with you. I felt this feeling before, the feeling of extreme wanting and grasping of another person's soul and being. To wrap them so tightly around me, neither of us could breathe. But this time it was different. I let it unfold. I let us breathe into a tiny mountainside of wildflowers, swaying along the hillside. I let it fly into a million particles that made up each individual cloud, 
I allowed it to soar high like a bird and lay flat like the dirt scattered amongst our feet. Our love started to blossom as the sky turned to dust. The watercolor ceiling filled the city's borders. I looked at you as we finished ravishing each other like wild animals against the smooth velvet trees. I was no longer on the precipice of love. I had fallen deeper than I had ever fallen before. I wandered off into the darkness of the withering forest, not needing you by my side, but knowing you were freely falling deeper in love with me, free as the flower, the clouds, the bird, the dirt. I looked back with a grin on my face. You smiled back and grabbed hold of me. For the first time in my life, I felt free. Dude. Yeah. So that was like a huge, powerful moment. And, you know, like in terms of my whole journey of finding love and what is love, you know, there's so many different kinds of love out there. Right. And, you know, all of the boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, relationships that you've had, you're like, I'm so in love. And finally realizing that there is a different type of love out out there like after I started to learn to love myself like I stopped searching for love I was like I got this I know what I'm doing in my life I don't need anyone right now it was the first time where like I didn't want a relationship I didn't want anything other than myself and so that is when love happened and it was when it was just like I'm okay on my own I don't need someone but I want someone and this person fell into my life and we reconnected and it was the first time that it was like, do what you want. I know you're there. It was like that trusting moment. I was like, all of my insecurities just like flew away. And I knew how confident and in love with myself I was that I knew that in order to receive this kind of love, I just have to, you have to let it go and let it breathe. And it was just such a freeing moment. That pure, healthy love that we all, Mm -hmm. it's like a mythical, mythological, mystical unicorn that you're like, it takes perspective and like you were saying, teaching yourself and learning to love yourself and people go, oh, no, I love myself or, but it's really hard how many bad habits we have, even in terms of self-abuse, the conversations we have in our, the dialogue in our own brain. Absolutely. Is very toxic and shifting all of that is a constant practice like you were saying every day learning how to survive learning how to Mm -hmm. adapt and yeah I think one of my my biggest strengths that I've learned over the years is that I've never been ashamed to like get help essentially I mean in in terms of growing up it was hard because I was like the the high functioning type where I hit all of my you know depression and anxiety and um impulses and all these like bad things that I got into but you know I knew that I had to cover them all up if to like not be detected to be like I'm fine you know like I'll get good grades and I'll you know right come out on top you know so it was just it was just like piling everything deep down and it was just like I gotta I gotta get this out I can't keep hiding anymore like I gotta get it out there I gotta write about it I gotta talk about it and it's just, like, the second that you do that, it's just, you feel, like, light as a feather. <laughs> it's because it becomes, it becomes bigger than you, right? Like yes, becomes, exactly. Just, you know, the, the chain reaction from that, you know, we have to start creating it. You know, no one else above us is going to. 
And it's just that perseverance of, of not giving up and keep doing it. Um, right. It's really hard because it's so easy. It's so easy to give up. It's so easy to like, have one bad day and your whole life is falling apart and I'm done. <laughs> like, it's so easy to give up. Because <laughs> then it's like, for me, it's like I see all these other things out there. I see all these other competitors. I see, you know, and instead of, like, looking at them as competitors, look at them as growth. Um, right. and a and a and a board to learn from, um, right. and so it's all about changing the mindset. And I've learned a lot about that through therapy over the years. But again, <laughs> you were willing to ask for help, and and you wanted to yeah. actively make you wanted to actively help yourself. You wanted to actively yeah. shift that mindset, which is not an overnight thing. Like you, it takes it's a constant every day. It's like being an addict. You know, when you're an addict, oh, it's yeah. never a day where you're not going to think about it multiple times, where it's not going right. to, it's never going to go away. But nope. it's, it's something, like you said, you learn to live with it in a way, like I always say, that's like with bird brain. And I had a wonderful teacher, Christina Howard, who once said, you know, I live with these parrots in my head, and I used to hate them, and I wanted to beat them with a bat and make them go away. Yeah. And I realized those parrots will be there. I need to learn to love them and love my jealousy exactly. and acknowledge it and go, why am I feeling this way? Okay, let's talk about it instead of running away. Yeah, it's exactly. It's all about learning to love your monsters. Love your, like, don't call, like, you know, turn, like, when I, like, talk about darkness or demons or monsters or anything like that, it's all about, you know, turning, finding that beauty, finding that light, because that's what's going to get you through it. Instead of being like, well, it's just a terrible, evil thing, and there's nothing to do about it. No, you can't just find it. It's there. There's right. something to learn from this. And that's, you know, the story that you just said, like, it's, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. It's not going to go away. How can I turn it into, you know, how can I turn this rock into a flower? You yeah. know, like, just get some paints out and paint it up. It's still there. <laughs> you know, it's not like you're covering it up. You're going to tell people it's a rock, but there's a beautiful flower on the rock. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. And I love that because it's like totally lotus rising too because it's like a, a, the flower can grow anywhere. It's just you've got to give it you've got to give it the love that it needs for it to exist. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear another one of your pieces. <laughs> um, and this one is called Never Alone. Okay. So, Never Alone. A wild beast can never be tamed. It lives off freedom to roam, to wander, to get lost, feeds off a nature's playground, never backs down, never surrenders. The darkness still haunts me. Every night as I sleep, every morning as I wake, it hasn't destroyed me. It tries to take away my womanhood time and time again, but I wake up, gasp for air, and fight like hell. I carry these burdens inside me. My bravery allows me to walk tall and to know I am never alone. Yeah. For me, it's just, I wrote this whole, like, really, really dark piece kind of around this, and I kind of, like, split it up into, like, different things. Um, but I I love the visualization of just this stampede of wild animals, just, like, out in Africa. <laughs> like, well, it's um, that's that. who we are. Yeah. It's yeah. like we all will, we will always, no matter what it is. And like when I, like with my website, we're all a little mad. And like 
we all have a little madness, a little craziness, a little something, whatever that is, however you interpret that, like, we all have something, and it's never going to go away, no matter how much therapy, no matter how much medication, no matter how much, you know, you try to do healthy things or put yourself in a healthy mindset, you will always have something, and it's about embracing that and about knowing that we all have something, we're never alone. So embrace it, we turn it in, or try to make something beautiful out of it. Yeah, and I think that that's such a universal truth for people. Like, um, when you go through a process of loss and grief, when you're dealing with learning how to love yourself, when you're dealing with coming to terms with an illness or coming to terms with um, just even admitting to yourself, like, wow, I need to, you know, I need to, stop ordering food in like the simple like even the simplest thing we always it's like that hard balance of holding yourself accountable and not being too hard on yourself and realizing that like exactly we're all in the same boat basically um yeah yeah I just really now that like would you be willing to really quick just read it one more time just because I there were so many visualizations I want to hear it yeah yeah of course okay never alone A wild beast can never be tamed. It lives off of freedom to roam, to wander, to get lost. Feeds off of nature's playground. Never backs down, never surrenders. The darkness still haunts me. Every night as I sleep, every morning as I wake, it hasn't destroyed me. It tries to take away my womanhood time and time again. But I wake up, I gasp for air and fight like hell. I carry these burdens inside me. My bravery allows me to walk tall and to know I am never alone. Yeah, that's, I really love that. And I definitely see the imagery like feeds off of nature's playground. Um, Yeah. Which this idea, which is universal in a lot of your poems, Megan, is again, like with all of your experiences and everything you've gone through and that that childhood, like that return to childhood and like the yeah. off of nature's playground and it still haunts me, but then coming to say it hasn't destroyed me. Right. Um, like I'm, I'm in it. I'm still going to be caring I'm, I, every day, right. but I know that like in order to keep going, it's like that bravery inside, my bravery to write, my bravery to tell, you know, these stories, to speak about this. That's what keeps me going. And that's what, you know, forming these communities to keep sharing and, and you know, spreading that to try and help any any person that we can. Yeah, and that's oh, the beauty about what we're doing. You know, and right. it's one of the things that makes it all seem like, okay, this wasn't all a waste. There's a bigger thing that's, this is all for something. Exactly. It has to be. And that's sort of the way that I like, I look at my life. Like every, I look back and I'm like, how did I end up here? You know, and I look at all those times and like all of those bad, dark moments, like I wouldn't take back because they all led me to the life that I have right now. And I created this life. You know, I put into motion everything. I had setbacks, but they all ended up working towards where I'm at. And it's using that and and still keeping, you know, whatever 
as, you know, at the end of your life, you know, like whatever you want to reach towards, you will do it, you know, but you'll have setbacks along the way that you're going to be like, what the fuck? Right. But then you sit down, you go through any emotion you want to go through, and you're like, okay, what is, where's the beauty in this? How can I get through it? Okay, let's go. And just putting your helmet back on and coming out to battle. <laughs> I like that, though. Putting your helmet back on is like, that's one of the images that we get there. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Thank you again, everyone, for joining us for this week's episode. Please go to Poets Return at anchor.com. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you follow podcasts. Be sure to give us a like and a subscription. And, um, can also find through our anchor a way to give us donations if you are interested we'd love to keep on going through season two and keep providing you with these amazing poets writers storytellers and all this awesome content uh, it was great having megan on she's someone i've known since college she's actually married to uh, her and connor are married so one of our former guests i've known both of them since college and megan She's a talented writer, poet, activist, storyteller, actress. Um, she's just another wonderful creative, and I was so happy that she was willing to share her powerful story. So I hope you feel empowered as I did getting to talk to her. And again, friends, just stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, and use your words well. Poets Return, a poetry podcast where artists share their work and discuss their process and let you see the story behind the work. This audio production is copyright 2019 by the Poets Return podcast, All Rights Reserved. The copyrights for each story are held by the respective authors. No duplication or reproduction of this auto program is permitted without the written consent of Melissa Bowie. Baby, don't flip the script, don't